everybody. How are you this morning? Y'all good? Y'all ready to sing? Come on, stand on up with me. We are ready to worship the Lord in song this morning. Oh, Ken says, are Yin's ready? Yin's ready to sing? Come on, I want you to get excited about the Lord today. Let's worship and praise His holy name. Yeah. 
morning. You know, the truth of that song I love is that we're all on a journey of learning how to trust God more and more. Amen. Every single day, we got to trust God more and more, and, and I love the reminder of that song. Welcome. We're glad you guys are here. I also want to welcome our guests. Listen, if you are a guest with us this morning, please stop by the Welcome Center as you leave. We want to give you something by just saying thanks for being here with us. We have a small gift for you, so please check out the Welcome Center as you leave. And then also, too, if you're online, let Elena know you are hanging out with us for the first time, and she'd love to get connected with you and share more about Crossroads. But listen, our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. That's why we do what we do. And so as we meet together, we're going to worship. We're going to hear from the Word in a little bit. And we're just going to keep trusting the Lord more and more with every single every single thing we've been given. All right, church, I want to encourage you with a few things that are coming up here on our schedule. One is that we have our car cruise on Tuesday, 5 to 9. And then we have our men's Bible study on Wednesday. And then on August 7th, we have our church picnic at Palmer Park. So please do a few things. One, let us know you're coming. You can do that online or you can do that in the in the lobby by just letting us know that your family are coming. Um, you or your family or the whole crew. And then let us know the number. That way we can plan accordingly for food. And also, too, let us know if you would like to help out with the softball game or the cornhole tournament. My vision for this cornhole tournament is that, like, even if you're not, like, awesome, that you're still participating because it is so much fun. So please come on out on the church picnic, which is going to be August 7th at Palmer Park in Denora. And uh, we'd love for you to jump in with the softball game and also the cornhole tournament that we're going to be having. It's going to be a blast. We're looking forward to that. And then on the 17th, which is a Wednesday night, we're going to be having our summer movie night. We're going to be showing the movie Sing 2. And come out a little bit early uh, because we're going to have a Kona uh, Kona snow cone truck. Is that right? Kona ice truck. And uh, and then we're also going to be having some bounce houses. And then we're going to be showing the movie Sing 2 right around dusk. So join us on the 17th of August. Um, also, we haven't talked about this in a while, and I'm excited to talk about this, but we're going to be uh, having, uh, we're going to be starting to launch our small groups here soon. So here's what I want to do. I want to show uh, real quick, uh, talk about C groups. So C groups, just follow this with me. C stands for crossroads and their groups. Our branding's pretty creative here, isn't it? But listen, these C groups, this is a phenomenal way to get connected with other people. And it could be two or three. It could be 12. But here's our, our vision is to see every person at Crossroads here and our ever-growing church connected in a healthy group. It's so important to have other people in your life and to be somebody else and to be an uh, anchor in somebody else's life because we all need people. We all need our people. It's important. And so two to three, 12 uh, families, uh, empty nesters, singles, this is for everybody to jump in and have a group. And so what I want to do is I want to show this real quick acrostic. So we're, we're going to have our C group training um, on the 24th and the 31st. And so a host is leading a group. So here's what a host is. So a host is somebody who has a heart for people, open up your place or somebody else's, uh, and serve a snack because food's critical. And then uh, T is type in crsmin.com. Here's the reason why. As I'm leading my small group, I'm going, how do I prepare for this? We're going to have everything you need to have a successful, healthy, vibrant group all on our website. And right where, right where this group starts, the first six weeks, is everything's going to be based off of the sermon. So what Pastor Ken, whoever's preaching, talks about that weekend, we're going to be diving deeper into our small groups, into our C groups that week. And so you can find the questions. You can find any other resources right on the front page of our website. So have a heart for people. Open up your place or someone else's. 
serve, serve some food, serve a snack, and then tea is viewing all that go to our website. You can lead a group. If you said yes to any of these things, you can lead a group. You're like, I don't know what to do. Come to the training on the 24th and the 31st of August. It's a Wednesday night. We're going to be training. We're going to be praying together. And then I'm going to teach you. We're going to teach you and equip you how to have a healthy group, how to grow your group, and how to have people that are just loving being together. We can teach you. We can equip you. We'll give you everything that you need. So 24th and 31st of August. Here's Here's what you can do. Two things. If you would like to host a group, Go to the Connect card in front of you, grab it, and just say, I want to host a group. Give me more information and give me some contact numbers or an email, and I'll follow up with you. If you would like to be a part of this group, a C group, do the same thing. Just say, I want to join a group, write your information down, and I'll follow up with you. Listen, this is a phenomenal way to get connected and as we grow and learn like we just did. We just sung to trust God more and more. We need people in our lives to support us, to encourage us, to challenge us. So that's C groups. And then we're all driving towards September 19th, which is going to be our C group launch. And we'll be talking more about that as it gets closer. But church, thank you for just buckling down with us as we continue to just figure out how do we do small groups. And I'm super excited about this. This is going to be really, really cool. So please, uh, any questions, use this connect card. I want to host a group. I want to join a group. Fill it out. Drop it in the box as you leave or the Welcome Center, and we will get connected with you. Church, I also want to say thanks for your faithfulness and giving. God's growing us and helping us to trust him more and more with our finances. So thank you for your gifts. Thank you for just being faithful towards that mission to follow Jesus. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for just all these things that we have. We commit them to you. Lord, help us to trust you more and more as we uh, just focus on the cross. We focus on your word. Uh, Lord, we just we just need your help. I feel like that's my prayer every day. Lord, I just need you. I need, I need help. <laughs> and so, Lord, uh, that's where we're all at. We want to trust you more and more. Help us do that. Just leave everything at the foot of the cross, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand as we continue in song this morning?
great weekend, huh? Aren't you thankful to be here this morning? Let's thank our great God. What a great weekend it's been, man. Thank God. It's been a thousand degrees out there, but it's wonderful, isn't it? We'll take it. Hey, before we jump into the message today, I just want to bring up some family, uh, a little bit of family news here. One of our own, uh, Lois Vandermeer, who is 94 years old, went to be with the Lord this past week. And many of you know Lois. She was a great, great part of our church more than 40 years part of our church, and uh, we just love her dearly. She ran the Sweet 60s ministry here. She started whenever they were all about 55, and they all became golden 90s by the time they were done, right? But uh, Lois used to sit in the back row. We used to, in the back row, there was a, a number of the older people they took over the back row. Now the young people have taken it over, but back, back then it was uh, when I first became the lead pastor, they all took that row over, and I used to call it 80s row. And I told, I told Lois she was honorary because she was at 90 in the 80s row. But uh, she was a wonderful, wonderful lady, and she went to be with the Lord. And we thank God for all that he's done uh, in her life through this church. She, she came, listen, I can't say enough good about her. There was, uh, there was no funeral arrangements that were made. There was no, no ceremony, no funeral, nothing. But uh, she has two sons that live out of town, Dirk and Jason, and some of you know them, but uh, I want you to pray for their family. I just want to thank God for Lois this morning. I, I'm telling you, she came to this city, moved here from Chicago, and plugged into this church for more than 40 years. And uh, she's the last one living of her immediate family. I mean, you know, her, she had a son that died, and her husband, and her, and now the other two sons are still still alive and living. Uh, one's in northern Pennsylvania, and the other one is in Massachusetts or Maine, I believe. So if we could just pray for that family this morning, and I just want to pause and honor that family. Uh, just somebody who's given their life that long to the church. Amen? We thank God for those shoulders and upon which we stand. Let's pray. God, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you for, for the gift of the family of God. Lord, we thank you for so many good things that you've given to us as the family of God. We get to build relationships, Lord. We get to have friends. We get to have people that we can rely on and build a lifetime with. And so, God, we thank this morning of Lois Vandermeer, who last Sunday 
while we were having our 11 o'clock worship hour, had her first worship hour in heaven. And Lord, as she stepped out of time into eternity with you, Lord, we thank you that she is in your presence, that she is with you, and that she is uh, just enjoying the fullness of joy, the fullness of life with God Almighty. Lord, we thank you for her. We thank you for her family, for the way they've impacted this church, for the way that they have given over and over and over of their time, their talent, and their treasure so that we can be the church that we are today. Lord, I thank you for the people that you bring along the journey, and I thank you for the people that are here today, Lord, as we continue this journey together, and you keep growing us, you keep moving in mighty ways, and you keep bringing families unto, the, unto you and unto our church that we may worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords together. So, Lord, we lift up that family, the Vandermeer family before you today, and we lift up our church family at large, as many people knew Lois and loved her and, and dearly are touched by her loss. In your precious name we pray, Lord. Amen. We've been on our journey of summer in the Psalms, and as we're looking at the summer in the Psalms, uh, we're going to be hitting a psalm that's uh, really a powerful psalm this morning. They're all powerful. It's God's Word, right? How can I say one piece is more powerful than the other? But Psalm 19 is, is like the Rembrandt of the Psalms. Um, <clears throat> and whenever you jump into Psalm 19, you'll hear a lot, of, a lot of people have given some thoughts about Psalm 19. C.S. Lewis, one of the famous Christian thinkers, he said this. He said, I take this psalm, Psalm 19, to be the greatest poem in all of the psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. So we're going to look at this, a powerful psalm. It's going to talk about creation. It's going to talk about the Word of God, and it's going to talk about you. It's got all three things that you need for life, creation, God, God's Word, and you. It's all packaged in one. But this, this psalm is not necessarily about, about creation. It's about how God speaks to us. And I want you to think about, as we jump into this this morning, how does God speak to us? God sent His Son, Jesus, that you might have eternal life, and He wants to help you, He wants to grow in your life, and He wants to speak to you. And so today, we're going to jump into this passage, and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. There's a lot of powerful things in this. Again, this is the, the, one of the most powerful passages of, the, of, the, of Scripture. It's quoted multiple times in the New Testament. Let's jump in, Psalm chapter 19. <clears throat> Psalm 19:1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. And their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day, they, the, the, the heavens, day to day, the heavens pour forth speech. And night to night, they reveal knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their line, however, has gone out throughout all the earth to the ends of the world. And in them, he has placed a tent or a dwelling place for the sun. So God, he's saying here, God has placed, a, there's a place for the sun. He put it there, which is as a bridegroom. And he says, the sun is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man running his course. It is rising from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from the heat of the sun. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, and they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. 
sweeter also than the honey and the drippings off the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern, who can discern his errors? Acquit me of my hidden faults. Also, keep back your servant from the presumptuous sins. Let them not roll over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of, a great, tra- of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable on your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so as we look at this passage, this 14 verses, we're going to focus on these 14 verses. We're going to walk our way through them, and we're going to see how does God speak to us. First of all, this morning, God speaks to us through nature. As you go out and you look at nature, and I know a few weeks ago we talked a little bit about nature in Psalm chapter 8. We're going to look at this again. He says that all creation testifies there is a God. I want you to catch that. All creation says there is a God. You go out there and you watch the sun come up and you watch it go down. You watch the moon come out and you watch the, the, the cycle of life and day. Uh, he talks here in particular about the sun. What he's saying here, he's saying is that there's great, the greatness of God can be seen in creation. And there's wisdom. God had wisdom in putting everything in its place. And giving everything a purpose. That's what God did. And so there's a there's a, a master designer. See, when you come and you look at you look at the creation, you look at all the things that God has given us, the heavens are telling of the glory of God, their expanse, the firmament is declaring the work of his hands. See, whenever you look at that, you can't help but be drawn to it. Have you ever noticed how many how many pieces of art Somebody's going to draw something. They draw the ocean for you. They draw, they draw the starry sky. Why? Because it is a piece of art. And there is a master designer and his name is God. He is the master designer. And as, uh, I'll give you a little secret here. The scriptures also tell us that Jesus was present at creation. So it is your God. Jesus was present there at creation. So when you consider this, the handiworks of of, of what, is ha- what you look at in this world, he continues on there. He says that day to day it pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Yet there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. So what he's saying is that this is a nonverbal communication. Do you ever hear that, nonverbal communication? Has your spouse ever told you that you are really good at nonverbal communication? You know? When you just have that look, like, come on, talk to me. You know, and, you, know it's, you ever say, yeah, that looks nice, but you didn't say it the right way? Yeah. Looks nice. Come on, what did you really mean? That's nonverbal communication, right? Looks wonderful. I'm thrilled to be here today. That's nonverbal communication, right? There's a body language. Something about is telling you that, hey, your, your, your nonverbal is going to come, come across. In creation, we see it's called general revelation. It's nonverbal communication. And so God, while this is not, not, not speech, it is speech. And that's why he says there, there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. It is ideas without words. And while it seems contradictory that there's no speech, 
nor are there words, but the voice is not heard, yet he's talking day to day, and you see the speech coming out. God often speaks with a whisper, and I want you to remember that, because when you're looking at creation, you're looking at all the things that God has made for us, God often speaks in, in, in a whisper, and that's why in Psalm 46, he says, be still, be silent, and know that I am God. I have found when I'm running the race pretty hard, I'm not hearing God, because I'm just hearing myself most of the time. I'm just running, or I'm hearing the problems, I'm hearing all the ground clutter, I'm hearing everything that's got me so crazy, right? But whenever I just get quiet and still and I listen, that's when God speaks. And I'll tell you what, when you go out and you just sit outside and you look outside at the nature and you just see, man, all the things that God has created for you, it, it, it points you to God. You see, here's where man rejects. Man rejects it, they come and they say, oh, that's not God. It was by accident. And just go out and read. You'll find all about it, right? Scientists have come up with every way to tell you that this accident happened and that your life is an accident and that you're just evolving and that you're going to become something else. And God says, no, you are not an accident. And neither was that star. Neither was the planet I put you on. And neither was that sun that doesn't burn you up but yet provides enough heat for you. You're not an accident, and God did not have an accident in anything. In seven days, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so, so I've been reading a lot of, as we've been going through this and, and seeing all the different, what scientists are saying about creation. And I'm like, all right, am I going to listen to those people, or am I going to listen to the God who died on the cross for me? Am I going to listen to the God who created it? And I come and I realize that God created the heavens and the earth. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature, they have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. You see, nobody has an excuse because God has sent a message to every one of us. He says, I'm making the sun come up. I'm making the moon come out. I'm making the stars come out. I'm, I'm doing all this. John Calvin, on his commentary of this, said that different nations vary from each other from language to language, but the heavens have a common language to teach all men without distinction. In other words, everybody sees creation. Man, the guy in the jungle, he sees creation. He sees more creation than I do. I mean, he gets to see this beautiful, I mean, you go over to the rainforest and go to these places where it's just all natural. There are people living there, and they get to see this stuff. And listen, you can say either God or there is a God, or you can say, I don't know, I guess we're all here on accident. And, and you see, here's what's happened. The mind of man has come along, and the mind of man has tried to figure this out. So if you take God out of the picture, of course you're going to come up with some way to answer it. And, and so, so you go through and you look at this. What's he say here? He says about the sun. He says the sun has a job to do. Over in verse 6, he says it's rising from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. 
So God placed the sun there. He says that it, it, he has a tent for the sun. It, it has, it's a tabernacle is what it is. It's a dwelling place. So the sun stays there. Now think about that. The sun stays there, and this earth has been rotating around that earth, uh, around that sun. This earth has been rotating around that sun, and we've never burned up. And we've never frozen. And, and listen, the whole world, uh, the natural mind of man says, I will do whatever I can so that we can make this last forever. And God says, I'm the one who created you. Come and understand who your creator is. And when you understand who your creator is, when you understand that this was not an accident, that helps you understand that you are not an accident. And then you can go to your kids and you tell them they are not an accident. And it changes your whole trajectory of your life. He says that they have a job to do. The son has a job to do. He continues on. He says that, the, that it takes joy. The son takes joy. He said, verse 5, he says, The son is as a bridegroom coming out of its chambers. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Isn't it beautiful poetry? As a bridegroom runs out of his chambers. I remember that day. Man, that was a powerful day. Man, I was up on this stage right here waiting for her to come down that aisle. Yeah. You know, that's a powerful moment in your life, isn't it? And David says, just like that groom going for his bride, so is the son serving God. Whoa. So you see this incredible imagery of who uh, of what, re- uh, what, what, re- what the creation reveals to us. It reveals God. It reveals that there's a purpose for everything under the sun. There's a purpose for all creation. I want you to think about not only the sun. We talk about the moon and the stars. I, I want you to think this morning about some of the things that are so small you can't even see them. World-famous biologist Edward O. Wilson claimed that there may be 1.6 million species of fungi in the world today. Just because you never knew that, right? 1.6 million species of fungi. You only eat a couple of the mushrooms, everything else, I don't know. 10,000 species of ants. By the way, he was known as the ant man. 10,000 species of ants. 300 thousand species of flowering plants. I think I, we have about eight or nine of them in our yard. I looked this morning. At the, the, my wife planted these flowers, and they, they, they're just they're beautiful. I'm looking at that this morning. I'm pulling out of my driveway. I'm sitting there waiting for her to come out. I'm like, honey, what are those flowers? She goes, I don't know. I just bought them. But they're gorgeous. And she explained to me, she said that they flower, and then they drop off. And then another one opens up the next day. And it just kind of keeps cycling through. And I'm like, now that's, see, that's this glory and majesty of God. 300,000 species of flowering plants. Between 4,000 and 5,000 species of mammals and approximately 10,000 species of birds. Anybody seen a hummingbird lately? Aren't they gorgeous? I remember when I was young, I'd go visit some of the older people in the church. They have hummingbird feeders. So we went out and bought a hummingbird feeder this year. I'm like, wow. We can't get them to eat out of the hummingbird feeder yet, though. We don't know what's wrong with them. 
Maybe we got to put Coca-Cola in there. I don't know. But listen, we saw these hummingbirds coming around the flowers. Them things are like helicopters. <coughs> scared, scared the living daylights out of me. I'm just telling you. When I first saw one, I'm like, we have them in my yard. And then them things come flying around. And you know, you know what you do? You stand back and you say, God created that hummingbird for our pleasure. I, I got into studying hummingbirds this summer. I'm, I must need to get a little bit busier, right? <laughs> studying hummingbirds. And, and I read about how they migrate. Like, like, like they fly a long way. And like, because I want to get into this next year. I want to have the food ready for them. They say you're supposed to have red so that whenever they're migrating, they know to stop at your house. We're going to paint. We're going to get red shingles. They're coming next year, right? It's like... It's incredible. Like they go from the north to the south, and I mean they go across the ocean. I mean it's incredible, and and all these species of birds and all these things. And you're going to say that this was all an accident, and they all evolved. You have a choice. There is a God. Man, we talked to, talked about the stars the other week. I'm just going to give you those stats again because I want to put it into perspective. After our sun, the next closest star is 25 trillion miles away. There's an estimated 1 billion stars just in our Milky Way galaxy alone. In the, in the 90s, we thought that there were only 3,000 galaxies. But today, we know, since the Hubble telescope, there's an estimated 10 trillion galaxies. And each galaxy has 100 billion stars. I was reading further about the Webb telescope. It's just come out. You're seeing that in the news right now, the Webb telescope. It has taken way beyond what the Hubble could do. And I was listening to them. They're saying that they're trying to find the beginning. What? They're trying to find the beginning. All the, all the, and they're trying to calculate the light years that these things are coming. And, and they're, they're, they're studying all this. And they're trying. And this, the article I was reading was on BBC News. It said, why are they doing this? It's to find out where we came from. Folks, you came from God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, just think of how big that is. Roger Metcalf told me after I shared those stats last time about the 100 billion stars and all these different galaxies, he says, I want you to understand. Roger said, if you were to live 1 billion seconds, you would have to live you would have to live to be just over 31 years 31 years old so he said when i was 31 years and 7 months i was uh, roughly uh, 1 billion seconds old that's 1 billion now if you were go- going to live 1 trillion seconds you would have to live 31,700 years do you know anybody that's a trillion years old now put that into all the stars. And then put that into Psalm 147.4 again. It says he determines the number of the stars and he calls them by name. That's what God does. He calls each star by name. God determined how many there would be. And God said, I know each one of their names. Now God knows your name. You see, David was overwhelmed by the glory of the Lord. He was overwhelmed. Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 10.18 He quotes this psalm. He says, but I say, surely they have never heard. Have they? Indeed, they have. And what he's talking about is the people who've never heard. He says, yes, they have heard. 
the voice has gone out. He's quoting verse 4 from chapter 19. And when he quotes it with the word voice, it's the same, uh, same idea in the original language. Their voice, their line, their message, their impact has gone out into all the world. The words of the end of the world. To, uh, they're gone out. The, the, the creation has gone out to everybody. Helen Keller. You're familiar with Helen Keller, right? She was deaf and blind, and she uh, imagined, you know, growing up trying to live that way, completely blind, completely deaf. There was a lady by the name of Ann Sullivan. Ann Sullivan came over and really had a passion to help her. So Ann tried to communicate with her by taking her hand and writing letters on her hand and trying to make a communication with her like that. And then Anne took her into Braille, and she began to learn. She, she took her from this to learning some Braille. And then one day they brought the pastor in. And a guy by the name of Philip Brooks, he was a pastor, he came in, he sat next to her knee to knee, and he told her the story of Jesus by writing letters. And as, she, as he's telling her the story of Jesus by writing these letters, all the, and, and by the way, Anne Sullivan also had taught her how to speak. By writing these letters in her hand and telling her the gospel message, Helen Keller jumps up and says, I knew him. I knew him. I just didn't know his name. You see, even in the shadows, she knew that there was a God. She knew that he was there. And so God is moving and he's working. He is put the face. Put, put the face. I guess she couldn't see the face, right? She had to put the name to that shadow. And that name is Jesus. And you see, and that's why the psalmist doesn't end with creation. He goes into the most powerful thing. God speaks through his word. That's the second way this morning. God speaks through his word. All right? So first, we saw that God speaks through, through, uh, through nature. Secondly, we see that he speaks through his word. Look what he says here. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. You know what? This, uh, we're going to put a list up. We're going to go through a list of the... There's about seven of them here that he says. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It restores the soul. This, the, the law of the Lord. He's going to give, all these are synonyms for the Bible, for God's word. The law, this was the Torah. It was a, it, it, the Torah meant a, a straight arrow. Was, so that's what a teacher does. A teacher teaches and he sends the arrow right to your heart. He wants, he wants to achieve something in your life. He wants to help you. And he says that that's what God's word is. It's the law. The, the law of God is perfect. Now catch it. It's perfect. It's flawless. And what it does is it restores the soul. And re, the word restore there can be translated revive, restore, to make new life, to, con, to, to bring back to life, to sustain life. And so as, as it does that, I want you to understand that it refreshes your inner person. Life been getting a little stale for you? You need the Word of God. It will refresh your inner soul. That's what you've been looking for. You won't find it in anything else out there. You will find it only by refreshment from the Lord. He will restore your inner soul. Um, and, and He creates new life. The story was told about a college professor who went and visited the Fiji Islands. The college professor, he was, uh, he was agnostic. And he was like, you know what? These people have done really good over here in the Fiji Islands. And he, he got, a hold of the, got a hold of the tribe leader, one of the chiefs over there, and he said, you're a great leader. 
But it's a shame that you were taken in by all of those foreign missionaries and, and they've told you about Jesus and you kind of bought into that because you guys have done really good for yourself. Why would you buy into that? So the chief of the tribe replies back to this college professor. He had come to God. He had, they, that missionaries had come there in days gone by, brought the people to God. They had made massive advances in their society and their culture because of the things of God. He replies back to this, to this professor. He says, you see that rock over there? On it, we smashed the heads of our victims. Notice the furnace next to it in that oven. That's where we formerly roasted the bodies of our enemies. If it hadn't been for those good missionaries and the love of Jesus that changed us from cannibals into Christians, you'd never leave this place alive. You'd better thank the Lord for the gospel or otherwise would be feasting on you for supper tonight if it weren't for the Bible. Now, that's what I call new life, restoration. And God wants to do that in your life. He wants to, man, you say, man, how is this all going to happen? You start one day at a time. And you get into God's Word, and you let the Word of God begin to work. He continues on. He says, the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. In other words, he says this is trustworthy. You can trust. Like, what, what, in, what in your life is sure? Is there anything that's sure? Is there anything that's trustworthy in the United States of America right now? Or in the globe, for that matter, right? There's nothing that's sure out there. He says you can be sure. It is trustworthy. And it makes the simple become wise. Uh, it's reliable. And what he's saying, you become wise unto salvation. 2 Timothy 3.15, uh, Paul says that, that the knowledge of the Holy Scriptures make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, so listen, the, the Word of God is trustworthy. Nothing in your world is trustworthy. You, you go out there and invest in anything out there. There's nothing trustworthy out there. Everything's falling apart. God is the only thing that's trustworthy. And he says, my word you can trust. Um, he says here that God's word is right. He says that it makes the heart rejoice. It is trustworthy and it is also right. It makes the heart rejoice. Verse 8 says that the precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. Man, you, you want some joy in your life? I want to tell you where you get joy from. You don't get joy from circumstances. You get joy from God. And whenever you open this up and you read it, man, you begin to, it begins to transform. You begin to get peace. You begin to look at the world differently. You begin to look at that hummingbird and say, there is a God. And it changes you from the inside out because the precepts that what God has laid down in here are right. What he does, uh, God's details Precepts gives the idea of the details. Man, there's so many details in the Old Testament. You can trust that God was taking care of his people. So David is saying here, he's saying, man, I can trust him. It makes the heart rejoice. Man, the joy that you're looking for is only going to be found in Christ. Pure. Man, he says that the word of God is pure. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Man, when you see something that is good, that is clean, that is pure, man, it's encouraging. He says, listen, your eyes will be enlightened. God's commands here are 
for us to, to live a, a pure life. Well, you can't do that on your own. You need to come to God. You need the Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures of God will, will transform you from the inside out by getting in touch with Him. Psalm 119, verse 19 says, I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commands from me. You see, I, I can't function without the Word of God. I need the pure. I need, I, need, I need my eyes open. You see, without God's Word, my eyes are not open. I, don't ha- I need the enlightenment. How do you make decisions? How do you have wisdom? How do you do anything? You need God. You need Him to speak to you. And when He does, you get encouragement. You get strength. You get confidence. I'm a stranger in the earth. Oh, Lord, please, I need your commandments to help me. Here's what happens. The fear of the Lord... Is clean, he says. The fear of the Lord, that's another word for, the, for God's word. Because the fear of the Lord here, he's talking in context. All these are about the Bible, about God's word. He says the fear of the Lord, and here's what happens. When you come to the Bible, you have to respect him, and you have to honor him, and you have to have reverence that he's the boss. And that what he says is authority. And so when you look at what God says as authority, you say, okay, God, I can trust you. And he says the fear of the Lord is clean, And it endures forever. This reminds us that we cannot make our life on our own without God. Listen, what is going to endure in your life? Man, we, we, you know, just go look at the things that you've, you've invested in. Look at the things you've bought. Nothing lasts. God says, man, you have got to come unto him and respect that he's the boss. And he says that he, his love will endure forever. Now, here's what happens. In life, we typically get sidetracked. And I get, I get crazy about an event. I get crazy about these the incidences in my life, right? And as I'm getting a little bit nuts about circumstances and ups and downs, I can become consumed with, with the ups and downs of life. And God says, I, I, I want you to be consumed with me. Because this stuff here, when you're consumed with the ups and downs of life, it decays. Only God will give you everlasting. You see, this here will just destroy. And Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. And by the way, he had way more troubles than any of anybody in this building's facing. And he said, our present troubles are small. They won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that we cannot see. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The precepts of the Lord, they will endure forever. Now, I want to encourage you, listen, it's easy for us to get bent up with life. God says here, the Apostle Paul says here, look to what is eternal. God's word is eternal. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. He continues on in verse 9. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. And so as you look at all this this morning, he goes into verse 10, and he says this. He says, 
They are more desirable than gold. Would you read this with me? They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings off the honeycomb. Gold. Anybody desire gold? Okay, it's okay to raise your hand. Probably most of you are wearing some form of gold today. I don't leave home without my form of gold. Now check out this next picture here, all right? Anybody desire that? I mean, when you look at that, you just say, I'll take two of those. You know, you, you, you go and, you, and you, you want the gold, man. He says, more desirable than gold, than, than fine gold. Like, he doesn't just leave it there. He hits it a second time. I could just see him saying, more desirable than gold, than fine gold. I looked up what is fine gold. It's the most expensive gold. It's the most rarest gold. He says more than anything. And, and I'll say it like this. Maybe, maybe you can look at it like this. Look at this next picture. Anybody want that? I'll take two of those too. But God says, he says here, more desirable than all of that is God's word. And then he goes in and he talks about the honeycomb. Look at this. Some of you understand this, right? You take the honey and you dip it, right? And you go out and you get the freshest. You go to the honeycomb. It's the sweetest. I mean, you, you, the fresh honey out of the honeycomb, like, it's pure. It's unbelievable. And, like, you just want to have more of it. And this is what God says. Those are, yeah, those are the desires of life. He says more than that are God's desires. More than that, the scriptures are more desirable than all of that. Man, as you come before God, understand God created the heavens and the earth, but he didn't stop there. He gave you general revelation, and then he gave you specific revelation. General everybody. Now he's come to us with his word. In a few weeks, I've got a guy coming. He'll be here. He's He's our missionary in Indonesia. He's going to tell you some incredible stories, how they go and they teach the people about creation, and then they go right down and they give them the specifics of Jesus. And when you put this whole picture together and understand, he talks about how the people saw that they had been deceived. Even in the jungles, man, they were deceived. Just like most people are in our world today. We are all been deceived at some point. He tells you, and it's going to be incredible when you come hear this guy in about two weeks. But, but I want you to catch this here. More desirable than anything in this world. More desirable than all the money. More desirable than anything. God says that he, his word is more desirable than all of that. There was a man, I heard the story about a man. He was walking alone in the desert one day. And he heard a voice said, pick up some pebbles. And put them in your pocket. Tomorrow you'll be both sorry and glad. So the man just kind of did it. He picked up a handful of pebbles and, you know, filled his pockets with some pebbles. And, and he went about his way. The next day he, wa- he woke up and he put his hand down in his pocket. And he found diamonds, rubies, emeralds. And he's like, yeah, I am glad and I am sad. I'm glad I've got some rubies, emeralds, and diamonds. I'm sad I didn't pick up more. Now, that's just a little illustration to show you 
That's what we got with God. Don't go through life saying, I wish I would have got into it more. I wish. I hear people tell me this all the time. I was never taught to read the Bible. They, they come in and they say, you preach the Bible. Somebody came up to me a few weeks ago and said, I was praying for a Bible, a church that teaches God's Word. And I found it when I walked in today. Like, that's what we're all about here. Everything comes back to this because it gives life. It produces everything. I can make you feel good with a bunch of stories. That's not what we're here for. You can get that anywhere. This will change your life. And I want to encourage everyone, go out there in the, in the foyer. I've got Bibles. If you don't have one, take one. Uh, somebody came in last night. They walked out with three of them. They said, I'm starting a study in my neighborhood. They said, I'm coming back. I need 12 more. I said, well, come on back. We'll get them for you, right? Why? Because if I can give you anything, I'll give you the thing that will change your life. Man, I give you a million bucks. That won't last. This is eternal, and it will change your life. As we close here, there's, there's so much more to this passage, but I'm going to just jump down here to verse, uh, verse 14. God speaks to our hearts. He speaks general revelation, specific through his word, and then he speaks to our hearts. Uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Your rock. There's nobody. I see people will post pictures online. Oh, my rock. They picture somebody in their family. But you know what? I understand what they're saying. And that's a good thing to have some of those rocks. And I hope I'm a rock for some other people. But I'll tell you what. The rock is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that will never let you down. That will always love you that will always be pure, that his decisions will always be right, that will always be just, that will always be helpful to you, and that will be the rock that you can build your life on, and he is your redeemer. You see, I can't redeem you. Only God can do that. God bought you back at the cross. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sin, and he said, I'll take one of you, and 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 I'm buying you back. He redeemed you. Your, your name was on his mind when Jesus died on the cross. And he paid for your sin. I want to invite you today to Jesus. That's what this is all about. This whole psalm is not about the sun and the stars. Oh, it's fascinating. But I don't worship the sun and the stars and all that stuff. I don't worship my tomato plants. Thank you, Lord. I've got three of them that are barely making it got to water him every day. But listen, I worship God, not the creation. That's the first thing that you hear. You can accept him or reject him right there. Then you come to his word. You can accept him or reject him. And then how will you respond? Let's be like this. Lord, let my mouth also declare your glory like the heavens do. Oh. I mean, if the sun is declaring his glory as he's radiating and burning us up right now out there, 
And listen, we can radiate the glory of God when we walk out and whatever we say, Lord, I want to encourage you, let's memorize this verse. May the, med- may the words in my mouth and the meditation, what I think about in my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to respond to him. He said in his word, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. So today I invite you to make this personal. Don't, don't just leave it at, wow, that's a great creation story. Don't just leave it at, wow, that's incredible what God's word is. Take it today and make it personal. And come before the Lord and just say, Lord, I need you. I need you to transform my life from the inside out. Just tell him, say, dear Jesus, pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again. God, thank you for speaking to me today. Thank you for speaking through your nature, your creation. Thank you for speaking to me through your word. And Lord, I'm responding with my heart. I want you to keep speaking to me. So I invite you into my life right now. And for others, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. Maybe you haven't been in God's word for a while. Maybe you've just been really busy. You've been stressed. You've got a lot going on. Maybe God's message to you today is be still and know that I am God. Let let the Word of God produce those things. Go home and read that chapter every day this week. And let God speak to you. Let Let Him do all those in your life. Father God, be with each one as we make spiritual decisions right now. Lord, I know all over this building and online, people are wrestling with you, Lord. There's, there's a wrestling match always between myself and my way and your way. And So, God, I pray you'll give each one of us uh, leadership in our life. Meet with us and guide us, Lord. We're so thankful, Lord. You've been so good to us. And we ask you'll continue to move mightily and grow us as, as your people. In your name we pray. Please stand with us as we close this morning.